In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to my Partner Up with Amy Carroll podcast series. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the August episode of my podcast series. If you want to find out more about me, what the previous guests were, who they were, or you want to listen to past episodes, check out the my website. Actually, you'll find all of the podcasts listed there. That's carolcoaching.com or you can go directly to voiceamerica.com business channel and find them there. You can download the app or you can tune in using your favorite podcast app. So lots of choices, my friends. If you missed my last podcast, I interviewed Antoinette Vermely. We discussed the complex interrelationships of the ocean, plastics, gender, overfishing on social injustice, human health, and the environment. So be sure to check that one out. And today, my guest is Anne Ravenona. Welcome, Anne. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted and honored to be here. You know, uh, listeners, before I hit the record button, Anne and I were just recounting when was the, how many years has it been since we've been in contact? Ooh, I'd say over 10 years, Amy. And I think that's the beauty of, of when we build a good, solid relationship. You know, it doesn't matter how much time has passed. You can always pick up the phone or the email and say, hey, and off we go. It's as if time hadn't passed. And I think that's wonderful. Yes. And nonetheless, as you also said, look where we are now. <laughs> look where we are now. I know. I right? know. <laughs> so uh, listeners, we've got a lot of exciting stuff to share with you. And to whet your appetite, I'm going to give you some background on Anne so you can just see, get a sense of what she's bringing to the conversation today. So Anne Ravenona is the founder and CEO of Global Invest Her. It's the go-to platform for early stage women entrepreneurs. It's demystifying funding and helps these women get ready, or as Anne likes to say it, investor ready. And that, and that's a subject that's dear to my heart. So let's make sure we talk about that in some detail. Now, Anne's mission is to help 1 million women entrepreneurs get funded by 2030. That's eight years from now, people. A lot of work, a lot of work. Roll it up the sleeves, girl. (laughs) Roll it up the sleeves. (laughs) Anne is a TEDx speaker and diversity consultant for Fortune 500 companies. She aims to be a catalyst to help change the funding game for female founders forever. I love that. I've got to say that again, to change the funding game for female founders forever. And I like how you call it a game because that really what it is, it is what it is. And it's a great way to look at it that way, to not take it too seriously. Yeah. And, and, and I think I kind of have framed it as a game for a while because that helps to demystify it because I think yeah. for a lot of early stage women founders in particular, when you start stepping a footing to this, it seems very, very overwhelming. That's what they've always told me. And the guys take all this stuff as a game. They really don't take it as hard, much to heart. Whereas women founders, you know, women in general, we take things more to heart and are more serious about them. So I think, yeah, 
positioning it as a game, a game has rules, it has players, it has an outcome and it has a goal. And that's why I think it's a very good metaphor for this whole thing. And they say, okay, if it's a game, I can learn the rules. I can know who the players are. I can play and I can go towards that goal. So that makes it a bit more tangible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a very cool analogy. Listeners, Anne is an EU delegate for the W20, which is the women's engagement to the G20. She's also an international thought leader and speaker on women's entrepreneurship and financial inclusion, inclusion, including at TEDx and the first G20 Women's Empowerment Conference. Anne is past president of the jury for the Prix Simon Vielle, Vielle. Did I say that right? They, they. they. Mm-hmm. Prix, I was practicing too. <laughs> Prix Simon Veil de la République Française, which is the international prix or prize, rather. <laughs> recognizing those who work on gender equality for women requested by president Macron of France. And she's advised president Macron on how to increase access to capital for women entrepreneurs at G7 and G20 levels. That is so cool. Anne. It's cool that he's, he's hot on the, t- he's on the telly at the moment. And I'm just, yeah, he is. I have to say, I hope he gets reelected this. this I know, summer. right. I'm yeah, holding one for breath. many reasons. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, listeners, even though this is the August episode, we're filming this early because I am just so organized. What can I say? (laughs) So by the time you listen to this, the truth will be revealed. So Anne was recently named part of the top 50 Europe's most influential women in the startup and venture capital space. Also, top 100 influencers in gender equality and diversity. Anne is the entrepreneur in resident at INSEAD Business School. And that is quite a collection of accolades you've got. <laughs> still working on them, Amy. There's still much work to do. To do so. For sure. You know, I'm super honored to have, they're all opportunities. That's what it is. For me, it's opportunity for change. And right. like any entrepreneur, it's going to morph and change along that road. So sure. there'll be different ones coming up soon. <laughs> and I guess what was playing in the back of my head, because people sometimes ask me this, is there must be some secrets you have to keep your energy going, to keep the passion. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the motivation and inspiration of this work. My gosh, right? Is there something else that also keeps you going that you'd like to share? That's a really good question. I think, you know, when times are hard, like I have a very high energy anyway right so I've I've inherited that from my mom she's an incredible woman she's like going on 75 and still working four days a week you know she's just awesome right and so I have this natural energy and natural enthusiasm and this natural wish to communicate and to Mm. influence and share for change yeah so that's always been there but how do I keep it going I mean they're like everybody I have those up and down moments and and in those down moments and in those when when I know I, I've learned what are my energy boosters and what are my energy takers. So in okay. my energy boosters, what I do to kind of recharge is I spend time with my family. I spend time with my dog, my lovely little Elio. We go, go for, for walks. walks. Go for walks in nature because yeah. I share those on my Insta. I'm like today I was on a walk coming back from physio and I was like, 
boom, 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 taken. You're going to see it in this in my Instagram, all the flowers and the colors in the street. But I think it's about knowing what recharges you. So for me, sometimes mm-hmm. I have to go quiet because I'm an extrovert. I love, I get my energy from other people. Right. However, sometimes I really need my quiet time. Right. So a nice relaxing bath, yep. doing yep. some meditation, um, and then spending time with a small number of close friends also helps recharge me. Yes. And then, of course, as you, you're coming back to the why, I think it, at the end of the day, why do you keep getting up and going? It's like you have to reconnect with your why. What is it that's, that is important to you and why, why is that why important? Right. So, that, that's, so when t- times get tough, and they do, for me, like for everybody, yeah. I'm going to say, okay, why do I care about this? Why is it important and why should I keep going on it? Mm-hmm. Parts of the why. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I, when you describe yourself, I can really relate being quite the extrovert myself. And as I've gotten older, that a little bit of quiet time, I kind of look forward to it now. And yeah. And I, so I really love the idea of not feeling guilty and allowing myself that quiet downtime. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And massages are great too. Oh, <laughs> love them. Yeah. I've got this woman who does Thai massage and it's just heaven. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to jump into some other questions I have that I wanted to ask you about. And I really want to start with this idea of why you became an entrepreneur in the first place, way before you knew you were going to start Global Invest Her. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great question, Amy. I think I've always want, I know I've, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur ever since I was 17. And I was actually very 17 was when I kind of started to articulate it. It's when your final year of of high school or secondary school, depending where you are. But I always knew that I wanted to create my own company. And when I was 17, I would say to anybody to hear me and to my uncles and and my family, by the time I'm 33, I'm going to have my own business with offices in Paris, London, Madrid, and blah, blah, blah. And they would literally laugh at me. (laughs) Now, I let rest people rest assured. I don't have offices in all the cities. Not and yet. I didn't do it by 33. Not yet. I have them in Dublin and Paris. And that's there we go. That's plenty. So um, but really I when I look back as a child, I was always really entrepreneurial. I think it's like something you have. And my mother was very entrepreneurial because you know, we were six children. And so I was the head of six children. And, you know, in 1980s Ireland, not a lot of income, not a lot of money coming in. And so you had to be entrepreneurial. So she was always Mm. finding ways to bring in extra money because she Uh was a full-time mom with six kids, as you can imagine. And so she was always creating mini businesses on the side and she was doing the vintage clothes before it was even a thing. She had a shop with that and she would be cooking beautiful pies and selling them in the markets. And I remember being really small and being beside her selling her in the markets and selling was a game to me. I just loved it. And Mm -hmm. that also fed into Mm -hmm. my extroversion. Mm -hmm. So from very small, I had opportunity to touch on little bits of entrepreneurship. And what I noticed was then when I started, when I went to college and then afterwards, I always was arriving in jobs where I was always creating a new market, creating new ways of doing things, creating new products. Mm. I was always, I was an entrepreneur always. It just uh-huh. was natural, um, except it wasn't called that in those days. Now we right. have these fancy terms. So it's always been in me, um, Amy. I think it's always been there. And then 
And you probably said to me, well, why didn't you do it earlier? I mean, I became an entrepreneur, a fully fledged one um, in 2012, 2013. Okay. And so that was after two things. I had a few years before, for, okay, I turned 40. I had lost my brother to a very tragic accident many, many years, three years before. And I'd had an an accident myself, an injury that took me out for about a year. So all those things, when you have time to think, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, when you lose somebody and, and, you know, it's a very profound thing when we have a loss, you question and you say, wow, life is short. I've got to make the most of it. What do I want to do with my life? And so that came up and then turning 40 was another like, you know, and I, it, it's a great milestone. And I right. said, oh God, if I'm not going to do it now, when the hell am I going to start? You know, right. so and by that stage, I'd had my family. So I'd had my two children. They were still young. Um, yeah, my kids were like maybe 10 and seven or something. So they're still young, they're, but, you know, not in nappy age. So it's still doable. And of course, I have a very, um, very supportive husband, which is important. You need to have a supportive life partner. That's a very, well, like it helps. Let's just say you don't need it, but it really helps. Right. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, Amy, and I've always pushed the boundaries in any job. Wow. And And my first one, I was very lucky because I got the chance to be an entrepreneur, but a funded one because Mm -hmm. I had to set up the uh, sales office for an Irish company. So they were doing labels for the pharmaceutical industry. And I had to send up their, I had to set up their French office, but literally from going to find the office to, to buying the furniture, this is the beginning of Ikea. This is the big, and you know, so I had to go from nothing and build it into something in a few years at 21 and a fresh grad. So it was an amazing experience. I didn't have the stress of having to worry if I'd have a salary coming in or did I have financial resources to do it? So that was a very privileged, it was very tough, but a great school. Yeah. So yeah, I've always been pushing those boundaries, always every single job and opportunity that I had before. Mm. And I love how you had the, uh, the opportunity to build the confidence and so much responsibility on your shoulders without it being all, um, it, 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 like you said, you had the salary to give you that certain level of security. So it was a, yeah. a balance while you still pushed. Yes. You know, when you're, I was listening to your description, I, and I think back on my own path of becoming an entrepreneur. And I realized that uh, also, uh, I had the Irish roots. I don't know if that has something to do with it. Also big family, though I was one of the youngest ones. So I didn't have that role of responsibility. And my mom did a lot of um, starting, restarting her life and her career a number of times. So I saw that that was a normal thing to do. Then I had two siblings who started their own businesses before me. So when my turn came around, it was sort of a no brainer. It's like, yeah, why not? I, I just... It, there wasn't that big fear that maybe some people have. So that felt lucky. And uh, there was another thing you said that um, I could relate to also the, and can't remember what it is now um, though, that um, finding something that I was really passionate about was super critical. Well, and that's important actually, because I didn't say that because you can choose to be an entrepreneur in anything, can't you? And right. and that was, so when I was in that thought process and in yeah. that introspection, you know, I took the time and I, you know me, Amy, I am a go-getter. I don't sit still. I'm right. like you, you're the same. You've so much energy. And 
we're always doing things. We're always pushing and moving things forward in a positive yes. se- for sense. And I was forced, literally physically forced to stop. And when that happens, wow. it's a shock to the system because you're not used to stopping, number one. Yep. And then you have time to think. And that's scary <laughs> when you have time to think. So I was trying to figure out, what do I want to do? And I, I want to... Um, like in my previous roles, I'd had a big career in sales, in business development, and then in leadership development and management development. And then, you know, a super, super pitch machine. I was like, I was a rainmaker for the companies I worked for. I was always winning new clients, big, big clients. Wow. And I loved it because I loved that consulting side of going in, listening to, to the, to the parties, um, challenges, issues, yeah. and then working with them to find a solution that works for them. And I always love that because I'm a real solution brain, right? Okay. So yeah, I said, too. okay, how, how do I bring it together? So I said, I want to work on something that has that's serving women, women in leadership, in business, global, and is solving a real problem. And I didn't know what that would be, Amy. Uh-huh. And so... I was like, okay, I need to bring all these things together because when you knew me, I was working for the Oxford Group, which is a great, um, you know, leadership and management training company. And um, I, you know, during that time and even before that, for 10 years, personally, I was always going to women leadership conferences. And we'd right. both been to win. I know we'd yeah. been to that as well together. So on my on my spare time, I was paying and always feeding my brain and my heart and my soul on women's leadership for okay. 10 years before I took the leap. So it wasn't yeah. like I was like suddenly going into this world I had no clue about. I'd, I'd set a toe in, but I wasn't an actor in it. And so it, it's it's... I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And I w- went to, uh, I was invited to an event in London by the Cherie Blair Foundation who have, they work with women entrepreneurs in developing countries. Okay. And I was in the audience and a woman entrepreneur of a successful British startup was speaking. And I put my hand up in the audience and I asked her what was her greatest challenge. And she said, access to funding. And this light bulb went off. It's like in the cartoons. I'm like, huh. Is it, is it harder for women to get funding? And so the question wouldn't go away. It stuck in my brain. And so I started, I got curious and I started to read the research. And when I found out that at the time, the credit gap between male and female entrepreneurs was estimated by the World Bank, IFC, to be $300 billion, I was like, what? This is a real thing. And that figure was enough to make my blood boil. Repeat the, repeat the figure again. The statistic. Well, this in 2012, 2013, it was $300 billion. Today, Amy, it's, it's the, a, gap between, the gap between, between credit that is found by male and female entrepreneurs. But today, before COVID, it was $1.7 trillion. It's oh, going backwards. So there's so much work to be done. And the hard truth is, today, if you're a female founder and you're looking for funding, if you want venture capital to grow a faster growth yeah. rate, um, today, female founders only get 2% of venture capital worldwide. And this hasn't changed in 30 years. It's gone up to 2.8%. And I'm like, excuse me, what the hell? We are, excuse the French, but we are 52% of the world population and we only get 2%. And if you're a woman of color, it's less than 1%. It's like 0.2%. It's like, and I'm like, excuse me, women of color are the majority of people on this planet. How is this possible? So 
that's what got me started, getting curious and then learning about the problem and then seeing how I could solve it. And, I, and getting curious and also you were identifying the areas where you wanted to make an impact. Yeah. So I, I could see what I can imagine that light bulb going off because it was pulling all those things together. And it was pulling it was pulling my inner values because my greatest inner values are respect and, and, and diversity and gender equality. So when I say respect is I respect everybody on, on, unless they hurt me or somebody else. Right. I no. I will not. I, I will have a major problem with anybody who stops somebody else to enjoy their their rights. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever those rights are. And I don't care if you are a zebra with purple spots and from Mars, I will be very happy to know you and support you as long as, you know, that there's no negative you're not doing harm to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So diversity for me is very important. And I think the thing was, you know, most entrepreneurs, we make it personal. You want to solve yeah. a problem that's important to you. And yes. like the fact that I'm a mother to a daughter and a son, and today they are 20 and 18. Mm-hmm. And if the hard truth is, if they both went looking for funding, my son would be 70% more likely to get funded just because of his gender and because he's a white male. Right. He doesn't even have to be good, Amy. Right. And that's wrong because there's right. so many incredible businesses that are being started by women to solve real problems instead of these companies in San Francisco, like who do the latest dog walking app. Dog walking is important, but they raise $300 million and a woman Stunning. who's doing research or tools for breast cancer is not getting the money. There's something right. radically wrong. Yeah. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that, Anne. I, let me take you back to that beginning. Uh, those first few years as an entrepreneur, share with me the highs and the lows when we will probably take, uh, we may not get through all of this answer and we're going to pause for a break in a few minutes. So highs and lows, I'd say number one, it's never what you expect it to be. You know, I had been for years, I had been reading, I had been collecting magazines on how to set up your business. I'd been reading business books about it on the side. I'd always been passionate about entrepreneurship. Like I read business books and leadership books and women and gender diversity books. That's my hobby. I just never switch off. That's what I love. And it's it's one thing to kind of imagine it. It's another thing to actually do it. And so that was a bit of a shock to the system. It's taken me a few years to take off the shell of consultant in for corporates, working on leadership and those things. It's taken me taken a while to take that coat off and switch in and embrace I'm an entrepreneur. And that gives mm-hmm. me much more freedom, but it's very scary. It's yeah. very scary because when th- you don't have that parachute, when you when you launch and you go out and you're building your business and it's like everything depends on you. So in those challenges in the early days and the early years for me, Amy were <laughs> Number one, decision fatigue. Decision fatigue. Like, because you make a decision when you're building the company from scratch, everything starts with you. And like, when you're at the very beginning, you're like, you have to make a decision on everything from the desk to, okay, website, what 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 server I'm going to use, oh, what, right. what provider, who am I going to, who am I going to work with and, and you know, collaborate with, da, da, da. what's my product, what's the research? There are a million questions every single day. Mm. And I got so tired with the decision fatigue so that I remember one day my poor husband, I really ate the head of him because he said to me, what's for dinner? And I, I had been making so many decisions that day by myself because I'm a solo founder and that's tough as well when you're a solo. I literally ate the face off him. Going, rah, 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 rah. 
wow, I like it. I went for him. And the poor man, he was just asking an innocent question. I was like, but that time I'd, I'd made 50 decisions and I was too tired. I can't even decide what's for dinner. That's oh, going too far. This might so explain, uh, thanks for letting me interrupt, why I've always had a difficult time when I go into a restaurant and they give you that the beverage list. I go right into overwhelm. I'm like, oh my God, please. Can you just give me two choices? I, I can't exactly. do that. You've now helped me understand why is that it's suddenly so difficult for me to choose it's my so, beverage. And I think the other thing, the other challenge is that when you're, you're building everything from scratch, you don't have a bloody clue what, you, what you're doing. You mm. don't have a clue about what you don't know. So there's no matter, you can read books, you can go on accelerators, you can meet other entrepreneurs. At the end of the day, you got to still do it yourself. You yeah. still have to do it and then attract the right people to come and join you and, and attract the right partners and convince the first customers and bring in that revenue. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. So it's a real roller coaster. And I had been, I'd gone, that's when I say taking off the coat of a previous working in a comfortable situation yeah. with, with a brand behind me and representing a brand, two brands, to building my own brand. Yeah. That's a very different kettle of fish. So that has been the challenge. Okay. All right. So let's pause that, the conversation here. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to pick it up from there. Listeners, you can connect with and find out more about Anne on her LinkedIn page or one of her websites, globalinvesther.com or anravanona.com. Let me spell that. A-N-N-E-R-A-V-A-N-O-N-A.com. Or go to her podcast, invest her pot. Yeah, that's right. Investherpodcast.com. Perfect name. Very simple. You can also find her on Twitter at Ann Ramvanona and also Global Investor. And listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership course. You'll find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. When we come back from break, we'll be hearing more from the powerhouse Ann Ravanona. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. 
Welcome back. My guest today is Anne Ravenona. We've been discussing Anne's mission to help 1 million women entrepreneurs get funded by 2030 and how Anne aims to be a catalyst to help change the funding game for female founders forever. Now, right before the break, we were talking to Anne about those first years as an entrepreneur, and she mentioned some of the challenges that she didn't expect to be challenges. So Anne, share with us uh, more about some of the highs and the lows of those first few years. And I'm glad you asked me this because it's a real roller coaster, Amy. You know this as well from being an entrepreneur. And all of you listeners who are entrepreneurs are intrapreneurs as well. It's a bit different because you do have resources behind you. But but if you are um, an entrepreneur, it is a roller coaster. So I say some more of those challenges is, of course, it's about revenue. You need to keep the money coming in. You need to have the, the lights coming in. You need to learn the skills. I think that's a challenge. The revenue is important. You also need to, you have to keep learning new skills. I love that. Personally, that's my 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 preference. I love learning. I'm a lifelong learner and I, I'm a learning junkie. But when I say that, I've had to learn new tech. I've had to learn new strategies. I've had to learn new tactics. I've had to learn um, how to position myself differently. It's been a very big roller coaster on the everyday learning. And I think that's the thing is that you're pulled in so many directions on any given day. And there's yeah. a good book um, by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth Re- Revisited. Revisited. Yes. <clears throat> which kind of says, you know, you are, you're in there doing this stuff, you're strategizing it, and then you're managing other people. And you have to jump between all those roles every single day, several times a day. And that is yeah. hard. So I think that's those, we have to be realistic. It's not for everybody and it's bloody hard. And sometimes you can get really down. And I have been down, Amy. I've questioned, I said, uh, should I keep going? This is not having as big an impact as I wish it was. It's not going fast enough for me. Um, You know, uh, should I keep going? And then what happens? A little ray of light. This is the roller coaster. Suddenly you get a, a piece of feedback from someone that you've impacted or suddenly a request comes in and like, oh, great, I'm off again. Like, you know, and, and it's that's the joy side of entrepreneurship. You never know what's going to come on your desk during yeah. that day, week, month. Yeah. So no matter how much you strategize, there's always, there's always going to be opportunities there. Mm. So I think the challenge is learning how to navigate, go with the flow. And when you have those down days, allow yourself to be down and to recharge and don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Assume there will be down days. I I remember in the beginning when the down days came, it was a bit of a shock for me because I wasn't anticipating it. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to happen. Not fun. And it's part of the process. It's part of the process. And when those days happen, just kind of be kind to yourself. And mm. I'm, you know what? I'm so good at giving advice to everybody, sometimes not so good at doing it myself. And like, I have to be reminded just to be kind. So mm-hmm. if I have a real down day, I will switch off, take the half day or take a yeah. day and Netflix and chill. And I'm like, no, nice. I just can't cope. I just need to, I need to just switch off completely. And I do that. Okay. I do that when so I need. You mentioned Netflix. We need to go on a tangent. Call, <laughs> call my agent. Listeners, you're going to want, it's a French series. Hopefully it shows it up in this US. I don't know if it does. It may be dubbed and you can get it in English. Oh my gosh. It's just such a brilliant series. And I just, 
am so entertained by how outrageous these famous actors are so willing to make fun of themselves. It's great. They're brilliant. Like they're super famous actors and they're all French. And it's like, you know, you've Sophie Marceau, Catherine Deneuve and whatever. Um, What's her name? Charlotte Gasbourg. All these amazing uh, Juliette Binoche. Uh, like water for chocolate people yeah I mean they're all fantastic you should watch yeah. it and it's yeah. like crazy crazy and it, yeah. it's a, it's a different world so it's cool yeah my excuse was because I started taking French lessons again she said you know find something to watch in French okay and I'm like You're a, a crochet I'm just so excited every night Ooh, another episode of call my agent <laughs> <laughs> but you're okay. looking, I can't just do one episode I binge watch I'm a binger I'm going to binge watch. I can't do less than three episodes in a sitting. So no yep. way. No, not possible. I, I I flew through that. When the second series or the last series came out, I, I all weekend I was gone. And I watched the whole thing. I loved it. Anyway. Uh, excellent. Okay. So back to the topic at hand. Um, and I want to know how you set up Global Investor what you do. And then I'd love to hear some success stories of some of the people you've worked with. Sure. So how I set it up was, you know, I decided on the structure, that's fine. And then I said, okay, I was very lucky because I had people coming to me for consulting that I, you know, because they knew me from a previous life. And so Mm -hmm. I, I was able in the beginning to have first revenues with those past people who knew me, who reached out to me. Mm. Um, and that gave me a, 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 an interest, you know, a comfortable cushion to begin with. So that mm. was really cool. Um, and really how I, how I set it up in the beginning was like, I was trying to f- figure out what's the problem I want to solve. Mm. And the problem is this big funding gap. Now I can't mm. solve that by myself. So you mm. have to bring it narrow, 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 narrow. And I said, okay, so what do I want to do? So I decided that I want to serve women entrepreneurs primarily. And then narrowed it down to early stage women entrepreneurs. So those who are setting up their business or have set up their business, we like them to have already taken that jump and are in the first rounds of exploring, do they want funding or or actually going on that journey? And so what I decided was the way we want to help them is, so we've created like an ed tech platform. It's a a platform where you can learn about funding and a community with it. So you have a platform, so you can just go and read and learn, or you can join the community as well um, in order to meet other women entrepreneurs from around the world who, who are like you and who are also learning about funding and not just funding about being a better CEO, because it's very much inside the community. Yes, we talk about funding and we also talk about it's peer coaching. It's like helping each other through ups and downs, investor meetings, or how do I hire someone or how do I fire somebody? Yeah. These business things that you need to learn and that you sometimes can't be vulnerable with your family and friends. They don't understand if they're not entrepreneurs. So you need a safe space. So we created a safe space in the community to continue to learn and grow together. Mm-hmm. And then the, an educating learning platform. So where we have created a lot of great resources that are all women founder focused. So they've all been made, you know, to with, with the woman founder in mind and yeah. with specific tips, practical tips for that woman founder. So, and I'm also trying to, I need to 
I'm trying to change my language. And I know I gave you in my bio, Amy, female founder, but I'm trying to move away from that to say woman founder to be even more inclusive because, of oh, course, nice. we include women who are non-binary and women who, um, you know, people who were not born female and who are women now. So that's nice. why I want to be very inclusive. So anyway, so we, we've created this platform where you can go learn through masterclasses, there's blog, there's loads of free resources and some that are small investment, but it's all manageable because, you know, we don't want to make it, we're not there to make money off you. We're we're there to help you and support you and give you really good resources. And then during COVID, I said, okay, how can we help women entrepreneurs? So I created um, a global directory of companies founded and co-founded by women because I wanted them to be easily found by customers and by investors because okay. that doesn't exist. There are different directories out there because when I was researching it first, I said, I want, how can I do, how can we do? We need, women need to be found. Those companies need to be found because the best form of funding, honestly, Amy and all your listeners is a paying customer. If you can get enough revenue and customers, that's the best form of funding. Then you don't need to go out to other sources yeah. of funding. So so we now have, and I'll share the links with you so you can share with your readers in the show notes, um, okay. but you can go to directory.globalinvesther.com or go okay, to say Global that a little Investor. slower. So you can go to directory.globalinvesther.com or just go to our website, globalinvesther.com and click on directory and you will okay. see the founder directory. We now have 1,360 com- uh, companies from 50 countries and 75 sectors, because I didn't want this to be a pink directory. This is for, yes, women in retail, but it's also women in robotics. We feature, and so what we're doing, if you look on our social media and check out our Insta, because we're trying to grow our Insta and have conversations there. So Instagram, which is Global Invest Her, very simply. Every single week we feature a founder from the directory and you learn more about her and what the problem she's solving and how amazing she is. So she awesome. gets featured every week. And last week we did a great feature because we featured the first 50 founders from our directory. Like we just chose 50 over and we've been doing it on week on week on week. And every week in a newsletter, we have a free newsletter that you can sign up and learn all about funding for, with this woman and woman founder angle and woman investor angle. Yeah. And um, every week we were featuring them. And so last week we, 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 put together those first 50 from those previous weeks. And it was amazing because we had them from every single continent. And that I have to say kudos to my colleague, Madeline. She's phenomenal. And she's in charge of our directory. And she also does this fabulous newsletter, curates it for us. And she chooses which woman to feature every week. Uh So if you are listening and you're a woman entrepreneur and you're interested in, in getting being on that directory, you can apply. It's free. You do need to, you we, you know, your company needs to exist already and have a product or service that, that can be bought, okay? So if you're in earlier ideation stage, it may not be the right time. We don't mm-hmm. say no forever, but it just, you need to have established your business. So, oh, that's so awesome. Really so, glad you mentioned that part that people can reach out and apply. Yeah, and you know, the, but the directory is so important because I want consumers like you and me, either mm-hmm. B2B or B2C, to be able to find companies that are founded and co-founded by women. Yeah. And to support them. And yeah. then also in potential investors so that they can more easily, I want to create that pipeline because the, the investors say, oh, they're not enough women. Bull, bull, bull. Sorry, I'm calling it. Right. Good. Calling it. Never an issue of pipeline. There are plenty yeah. of fabulous women out there. Yeah. So you got to look at them. You got to listen to them. Yeah. You got to fund them. Yeah. You know, so, I, 
I want to, I have a question floating in the back of my mind, and this might be related to the next question I want to ask. So give me a minute to figure this out. The, I, I, I know that, uh, you know, as a female leader, you have, I'm curious to know how you've been received, because I think there's this bias that, and you talked about this in your TEDx talk about bias, I think that men and women have towards women. Um, and, you know, as a female leader, you have rubbed shoulders with Obama, Macron, Hillary Clinton. Well, not, not Obama yet, but Macron and Hillary, yes. Okay, okay. Yes. I like that. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, no. On, he's on your dance card. He's on my dance. And I've been, I did go to the event, Michelle, when she was promoting her book, Becoming, and she's here on my right. shelf. I read it in like a day. I was like, right. oh. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you, um, I'm curious to know what your greatest challenge and joys have been as a leader. And then maybe I hear more about challenges, success stories, tips for women entrepreneurs, women leaders. Oh, greatest challenges and joys as a leader. I think that when you're a leader, um, it's not a challenge, but I think it's, you all, it's very important to remain authentic Mm-hmm. especially when you're when you're trying to influence important people you know you can get caught up in like oh my god hero worship and they're like i i was in a two and a half hour meeting with macron sitting opposite him and that can be very intimidating it wasn't just me there were another 10 people around that table but it was yeah. a very small table yeah. and a very privileged table for me to sit at mm-hmm. and you know at the end of the day i think once you you got to be as a leader very clear about your vision and and how to communicate that vision and then create and then think very much about the strategy and the action plan to make that vision happen. That's very important. And so, you know, life, that's in theory. However, reality will come and hit you on the head and will try and, and make your vision smaller and try and put obstacles in your way. So I think as a leader, you have to stay true to your visions, true to your, true to your why. Okay. It might change slightly as to how you end up doing it, but the why, and, and even sometimes your why can change and that's okay. So that's why I'm saying like the challenge and joy is it's kind of interlinked is you need, I think it's important to be authentic and to be you. Yeah. And sometimes a challenge for for some leaders is that they want to put on this persona and this mask to be yeah. very impressive and so on. And what I found is over time, you know what, the more authentic you are and yes. the more you are people, yes. people relate to that and they hear it mm-hmm. So and, and they hear the passion. So I think share your passion. That's part. If you're a yeah. leader, you can only bring them people, your followers, people who follow you because they believe in your vision and yeah. they believe in you as the leader. So, so let me add something here. Because people sometimes get stuck. Well, how, if I'm wanting to impress, mm. yet I'm wanting to be authentic, yet I want to pre- impress. You know, so there's this, yeah. people get stuck. So when I'm working with people, I show them, I talk about the difference between what we call presentation mode mm. and conversation mode. And presentation mode, whether you're formally presenting or you're just at a networking event, sometimes we get a little too formal. We mm. put this pressure expectation on ourselves to be, very articulate and polished. 
and we lose our personality because that's not how we are with our friends and family. Now, so I uh, encourage people to see if they can shift, not see if I show them how to do it, how to shift back into conversation mode. And at first they're, they don't know how to do it. And it's so listeners, it's really simple. And Anne, I'll be interested to see if you, what you think. The way we find conversation mode is we think about the person who knows us really well, that person who could blackmail us if they wanted to, though they wouldn't because they love us. And you, as you're reenacting that presentation or reenacting that conversation and that networking event, and you start talking, immediately check in with yourself and say, is this how I'd be speaking to my spouse? Or is this how I'd be speaking to my brother? And if you're in presentation mode, immediately you'll know, oh gosh, no, that's not it. And so listeners, all you have to do is replay that multiple times, like maybe four or five times, even videotape yourself. That could be useful and keep checking in. And at some point when it probably feels too casual or too relaxed and you realize, oh, this is how I'd be talking to my best mate, then you will have found conversation mode. And the last thing to say is that people get worried. Oh, isn't that too relaxed? Isn't that too casual? No. No, leaders love it. I mean, I was, okay, I was very honored and and lucky to be part of the Generation Equality Forum in Paris last year and, you know, global gathering on gender, gender equality and world leaders. And I got to meet one of my heroes, my heroines, Hillary Clinton. Okay, I was passing. I waited patiently. She'd been on stage. I was fangirling all over. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm in the same room as Hillary. Oh, my God. You know, I was that I was that person. And when she'd finished and the whole event was finished, I waited. She was, of course, people jumping on her and, and, you know, wanting to meet her. And I waited my turn and I knew Milan Ferrer, who was uh, one of her ambassadors and, and close collaborators. So I kind of chatted with Milan first and waited my time. And then I saw Hillary and I said I just said to her but while I was waiting in the wings I kind of said well what do I want to say to her like I didn't think I'd have this opportunity and I literally was absolutely in conversation mode Amy like because it's never like when you're meeting somebody in such a great leader um you know it's about them and their and what they've given to the world right that's and so what what I said to her was I said thank you for everything you've done for women across the world. Wow. And she smiled and she said, there's still so much to do. And I said, I know I I'm with you and I'm going to, I'm working on it too. And I asked her, could I have a photo with her? And she was very gracious. And she, she took a photo with me and I was like, I've cherished that photo (laughs) as well. And she's smiling and happy because you know, she's in a new mode, but that's to your point. And what she's was very, you know, what, what, Getting into that conversation mode is so important because even when you want to influence, at the end of the day, it's a human being. You have to be respectful and respect the person. Like I was talking to the president of France. I was like, oh my God, you go in there going, oh my God, oh my God. At the end of the day, I'm like, okay, what I need to tell them is important. And that's how you say it's go back to your why. Why are you there? And I was asked to say, bring suggestions, bring proposals. And I said, okay, I've been asked to bring you proposals for you, Mr. President of France, and I'm saying, but because you're a leader in the G7 and G20, I think you should bring it to those tables too. So I just go further. I'm always like forward, you know? But the point is, you're totally right. It's 
it takes a while, Amy, to get comfortable to get into that conversation mode. And, you know, I do a lot of public speaking and I speak, but even when I'm speaking, I'm in conversation mode because I care deeply about the audience. So it's not about me saying, oh, look at me. Oh, I'm so brilliant. And I'm a know-all and I'm going to tell, I'm going to help you. Oh, you poor people who know nothing. Let me show you how brilliant I am. That is not what I'm about. It's the complete opposite. It's like, okay, I have some important information and some calls to action that I want to share with you. I want to help change your mind in this short time we're together or help give you some Open your mind, maybe. Yeah. Changing is a big deal in a few speech. It's very difficult to do, but you can open perspective. Yes. And then kind of invite them to a call to your call to action. So yeah, I just I just love the way you said that, Amy, about getting out of presentation mode. I've had to learn because before I was yeah. I was more in that, you know, I've had to learn to go ease into it now. And so now when I'm speaking and I'm with important people and even talking to ministers and I was laughing because at the Generation Equality Forum, you know, we're waiting and I was there. I wanted to um, to present two of the laureates of the Simone Vey Prize for gender equality that that we had honoured. And so there was a gentleman there and we wanted a photo of, of the laureates with myself and the, and the, the current president at the time. Uh-huh. And there was this lovely gentleman next to me. And I said, would you mind taking a photo of us? He says, no problem and so on. And he takes the photo and then I says, and so tell me about who you are. And he was the president of the Council of Europe. Wow. And I'm laughing. And I said, oh, I'm, you're, you know, I'm, I got, you just took our thought. Thank you so much. And it was so nice, you know. Yeah. But we were human. Exactly. And so, and that's the thing. So it's like leaders are in that position. They put themselves up and put them into that position or need to, or are thrown into that position. If we look at President Zelensky, who's been an incredible leader in this very dark time. If you're learning, you know, this is the August edition, but you will be learning what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. Um, At the end of the day, Leaders need to be incredible communicators, but they have to communicate with heart and they have yeah. to communicate towards that vision and towards action. Otherwise, yeah. you're not a leader. If Otherwise, you're just influencing for, for the sake of, but you're not yeah. leading towards action and doing yeah. stuff. And we are almost out of time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's I gone too. fast. And so in, let's see if I can challenge you in one minute. Yeah. Can you identify, and I know, right? That was, that's very <laughs> un- cruel. What, are some things that need to change to get more women funded? Hearts and minds. So hearts next, and, give, give me even more specifics. You're a hearts and minds. So, so, so we need to change perception that uh, women entrepreneurs are a bigger risk or that they're going to focus on their family and they're, okay. they don't have the head on their shoulders and that they are not good business people. And if they so have... Challenge our inner thinking about... Challenge our inner thinking. Okay. Yeah. And also, if you are an investor and you're listening to this, it's I would challenge you to actually listen to pitches from women entrepreneurs and really listen. If you don't understand their problem they're solving, actually try and listen instead mm-hmm. of saying, I have to ask my wife because mm-hmm. you don't understand the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's the hearts and mind is you need to you need to kind of change perspectives. I think we need to raise awareness, Amy, about the size of the problem. That's why I shared some of the statistics earlier on, right. because most people don't know these things. And so you've got to keep repeating and repeating and say, this is a big problem. OK. And why is it a problem? Because it's impacting us. And why am I working at the W20 on pu- public policy now? It's because we've got to get governments to change things to stimulate more funding to go toward women entrepreneurs. OK. So 
I think what needs to change is perception and then action. So we need to change the funding game. So okay. the changing the funding game is changing the rules and changing the players. Okay. And I, I'm going to say my call for action on your behalf, Anne, is listeners go to Anne's website, globalinvestor.com. Check it out. Get educated. You've got great videos on there on many different topics. Uh, also, your podcast, they can find that on Apple or everything, Apple, Spotify, and even on our website on investherpodcast.com. Even if you don't have a streaming service, you can listen to it directly in the show notes. So you don't have to have, Beautiful. if you can access the internet, you can hear it. Okay, good. For me, my call for action listeners is feel free to go to my website and go to the video section to watch a short video I've made on the difference between presentation mode and conversation mode and how to find that because that's going to be something for women as you're pitching, you want to be able to find that sweet spot and show up with authenticity and confidence. Okay. So, and we're just about to wrap up. Um, one more thought from you that you would like to share if you have it. I would say to all of the women listening and also particular to women entrepreneurs, I would say to you, think big, believe in yourself. Mm and ask for more money. Beautiful. And when you're not believing in yourself, get your friends to convince you. Yes, <laughs> I love that. For. Yes. So listeners, feel free to send me your communication oh. conundrums, challenges, clashes, mishaps, blunders, and successes. You can do that via email or on social media. I'll read them and discuss them on future shows and make suggestions. My email is amy at carolcoaching.com. And it has been a wonderful opportunity to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy, for this opportunity and to, to connect with you and, and with your wonderful listeners. Wonderful. And listeners, you can reach out to me on any of my social media channels, Amy at Carol, no, just Amy Carol Coaching, actually. And you've been listening to partner up with Amy Carol on the podcast series on Voice America. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.